calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Can't get enough of Rebel Girls? Well, luckily, the Rebel Girls app is now completely free. That's right, you can listen to the entire library of goodnight stories for Rebel Girls ad-free. Plus, check out the app's cool features like activities, trivia, custom playlists, and more. All parent-trusted and kids-safe. Find out more at rebelgirls.com audio and download the Rebel Girls app today. Thanks for listening. Hello again, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your ghostly host with the absolute most, and keeper of those strange and spooky tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is yet again another chilling tale. This Stone Cold Tales Story Club members will take you to new heights. It's one I call Wings of Stone. Derek and Robbie jogged over to the old building. The fat moon in the October night sky made their scampering shadows appear long and jagged on the empty city street, just like a couple of giant blackbirds. Let's tag it, Robbie pointed. There. The old Odd Fellows building that was scheduled for demolition loomed in front of them. Community members had tried to fight the city and declared the spooky old brick building a historic landmark, but they were too late. It was one of the oldest structures in town, built more than 150 years ago. Along the top edge, there were three concrete gargoyles that peered down. They always creeped Derek out when he was a kid. Looking up at them now, the winged stone guardians of the building sent a prickle down the back of Derek's neck, something he hadn't felt since he was five years old. Robbie handed him a can of yellow spray paint from his backpack. Go up there and paint, he chuckled. It'll be the ultimate tag. I don't want to. It's a dare, dude. You have to accept a dare tag. We're a team, remember? Or what? Robbie pointed to the spray can in Derek's hand. Or you're as yellow as that paint you've got there. Then he slugged his friend's shoulder. A Kentucky Fried Chicken, too. I'm not going alone, Derek said. Robbie cracked a smile. So you are scared, then? Are you? Within 10 minutes, they were up on the roof of the building, peering down at all the lights of the town. The autumn wind seemed to bite and claw colder up there. They'd crept through a broken window in the back. The old elevator was broken, but the stairs worked. Robbie had a little pen light in his pack, and they were like a couple of spelunkers tripping around in some dusty old cave. The building was even creepier on the inside. The darkness seemed to choke them as they climbed the stairs, trying to suck the breath right out of them. Robbie passed Derek the yellow spray can and pointed to the winged demon perched on the edge of the roof. 
Time to give Flyboy a new coat of paint, he said. I've been thinking about this, and we shouldn't do it. I have a really bad feeling about this. What difference does it make? The place is going to be pulverized into rubble in a week or two anyway. Till then, people around town can admire your handiwork, Van Gogh. So the two went to work. Derek leaned over the winged concrete beasts and sprayed their eyes yellow. It made the snarling monsters look even more scary. Robbie was spraying squiggles all over the cornices and red on the ledge. The stench of aerosol paint burned in Derek's nostrils. He wanted the cool wind to send the smell of their crime adrift. Something slapped Derek on the back. He screamed. Our work here is done, Da Vinci, Robbie said. Let's make ourselves history. As they climbed out of the window and stalked around to the front of the antique building, Robbie raised his hand for a high five. I did it, he said. Best dare tag ever. Derek wanted to share Robbie's enthusiasm, but his stomach was tied up in knots. Something seemed wrong. What's your major malfunction, dude? Robbie said. Then he pointed up to the top of the old building. Time to admire your handiwork. Derek's gaze followed his friend's extended finger upward. He gasped. Yes, the squiggles that Robbie painted in red clung to the edge of the building like crimson spiders. But the yellow paint Derek had sprayed the gargoyles with wasn't. In fact, there weren't any gargoyles. A heavy flapping sound above their heads beat at the night air. A bat-shaped shadow, like some angry angel of death, swooped over them, projected by the silver spotlight of moon. Then, Derek saw the originator of that shadow, and not just one. The three gargoyles flew in what appeared to be an attack formation. The lemon-yellow eyes Derek had painted on them all glowed bright, making them appear as if they'd escaped from somebody's worst nightmare. Derek had heard Robbie scream many times, most often when he beat him at a video game. But he'd never heard him scream like that in terror. He'd never heard anyone scream like that in terror, not even in scary movies. His heart in his throat, Derek's sneakers slapped the concrete as he dashed down the middle of the street. Forget about Robbie. This was time for self-preservation. Derek tried to duck into an alley, but one of the eight-foot-high gargoyles swooped down and barred his path. He smelled the weathered concrete and aerosol spray coming off its wings in the wind. Derek took off running the other way. Robbie was heading for the friendly white light of a 7-Eleven. Derek started to follow, but then a gargoyle grabbed his shoulders and yanked him off the street. Derek felt its gigantic talons digging into his skin as he furiously bicycled his legs in the air. All his thrashing made no difference. Derek could only watch helplessly as the town below him grew smaller and smaller. He was being whisked away, up and up by the dark flapping gargoyle. We're a team, remember? Derek shouted down as Robbie, who now looked about the size of a toy soldier, looked back at him silently stunned in horror. And then, like a red-tailed hawk might nosedive down and pounce on a rabbit, one of the graffitied gargoyles snatched Robbie and took him airborne too. Derek tried again to grab at the stone talons that held him firm, desperately attempting to break free. It wasn't such a great idea considering he was about 250 feet off the ground, but at this point, falling still seemed like his best chance at survival. It was no use though. Trying to pry the arresting concrete claws loose was about as effective as punching a brick wall. 
In the glowing moonlight, Derek could see the gargoyle with the flailing Robbie shrink smaller and smaller as it sped toward the dark mountain range on the horizon. The higher the gargoyle climbed, the smaller the town became, and the more like the city lights resembled stars. Derek screamed at the top of his lungs, but knew it was useless. Nobody could help him. And then, he felt something. It felt like the stone talons had shifted, and maybe, just maybe, loosened their grip. Derek held his breath and braced himself for a plunge, or something worse. How's that for some high-rise fun, devoted listeners? Maybe Derek landed safely in a lake, or did the stone guardians of the old building whisk him away to their dark mountain lair and tell him and Robbie that it's not nice to destroy other people's property? Either way, I think Derek learned his lesson about folding to peer pressure. As they say, with friends like Robbie, who needs enemies, right? Now, I think I'm gonna paint my nails. I prefer gothic purple. <laughs> Hello again, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your ghostly host and keeper of those strange and spooky tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is another chilling tale. This creature feature Story Club members might make you reconsider where you swim for relaxation. It's one I call From Beneath. The cool water felt unbelievably good against Renee's skin. It was the middle of August and so hot. The kinda hot where you could drink five cans of orange soda and still have waterfalls of sweat running down your back. But as Renee swam further from the muddy shore of Lake Halcyon, the summer heat seemed to melt away. Don't let Eddie get you. Darren Graves, her friend, stood on the shore in his baggy swim trunks and watched Renee swim. He wore a devilish grin on his face. Eddie was the nickname of the monster that supposedly lived in the lake. For years, people had tried to prove there was some kind of creature that lurked beneath the dark waters of the lake. Some even took photographs, though most of those pictures were blurry and usually turned out to be a mossy log or some driftwood that poked lazily out of the water. There are no monsters, Renee thought. Everyone with half a brain knows that. Not if he gets you first, Renee hollered back at Darren as she swam further out into the middle of the lake. Thump! Something hard and scaly stroked the bottom of Renee's foot under the muddy waters. If it was really Eddie, Renee knew she was too far out in the middle of the water to save herself. She'd never be able to swim fast enough. What would she do? Her 11 years of life flashed before her eyes. Renee had known Darren for two years, since the third grade when he moved to town. They both loved Plants vs. Zombies, the best video game ever. He had invited her over to his house to play it. Her parents didn't really let her play video games, and they'd been fast friends ever since. But Darren was the kind of friend who would use you for one of his practical jokes. One time in the fifth grade, he hid Mrs. Voorhees' math book in her locker. The day she found it in her locker, the teacher happened to be walking down the hall. After Mrs. Voorhees saw that Renee had her book, she sent her to the principal's office. One day, I'll get you back, was what she had said to him. I will get you back for that. It had been Darren's idea to come to the lake. There was the town swimming pool, but on a day like today, it would be way too crowded, and running through the sprinkler is only cool when you're about four years old. Renee and Darren had both been a little surprised to show up and see nobody else at the lake today. Though the area around the lake was heavily wooded, so if anyone was hanging out in the shady tree line, they'd have never seen them. Whatever had Renee's leg wouldn't let go. 
She struggled, but couldn't get loose. Darren, help! From this far away, Darren only looked like he was one inch tall on the shore. Knock it off, she could faintly hear him say. I'm the jokester, remember? This is for real, help! But Darren didn't answer. Renee lost sight of him on the shore as she slipped underwater. Bubbles burst from her mouth in a steady screaming flow. Something from beneath had pulled her under. Then Renee saw it. Her leg was caught between the mossy branches of an old waterlogged tree. Her chest bursting for oxygen, she quickly slipped her stuck foot loose with one hand and then paddled to the surface. Darren wasn't waiting for her when she returned to the shore. Though she was exhausted from her struggle with the branch, she swam, rested, did the dead man float for rest, and then swam again until she was able to reach the shore. But still, there was no sign of her friend. Darren? No answer. Come on, Darren, quit fooling around. I almost drowned. A hot August breeze blew in her ear, the only thing that responded. It wasn't until Renee pulled her tired body onto the shore that she saw them all in a steady line. Footprints. Or at least something that resembled footprints. They came from the water, were about a foot and a half long, and were in a fan shape. They almost looked like giant duck prints. A chill ran down her back despite the heat. The tracks led out of the water, across the shore, and disappeared into the woods. She followed them. The strange footprints trailed through the woods. She discovered Darren's red and orange beach towel hanging on a tree branch. Now she knew it was a joke. He had plenty of time to make those tracks and hang his towel on a tree. He was probably hiding behind a tree, trying not to laugh. This isn't funny anymore, Darren, she said, scanning the darkening woods. I owe you a joke, remember? No answer. Fine, Renee thought. She would play his dumb little game. She followed the tracks. They led back to the lake. The muddy water lapped the sandy shore. No sign of Darren. This new prank of his was getting old. Forget it, I'm going home. Splash. The water exploded behind her. Something rose out of the water. It seemed to block out the sun as it rose from the lake. It lumbered toward her, and it wasn't a mossy branch. Remind me never to vacation at Halcyon Lake. I really don't want to go toe-to-web-toe with Eddie. Hopefully, Darren saw the monster and ran away, and Renee was able to do the same. Guess a crowded city pool beats a lonely lake where there's an actual monster lurking around. Do you like to laugh? Ah, uh, who am I kidding? Who doesn't like to laugh? So, okay, if you love to laugh, you'll love Don't Break the Rules. It's a hilarious comedy improv podcast where the voice actors make up their lines on the spot and try to be the only actor who doesn't break the rules. These talented actors are great at coming up with silly scenes and stories when they follow the rules for the episode. And it gets even sillier when they accidentally break the rules. The stories are guided by suggestions from kids like you, and the episodes feature laughs, burps, and the occasional unicorn. So if you'd like to giggle and play along, be sure to listen to Don't Break the Rules wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello. 
Hello there, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your ghostly host and keeper of those strange and spooky tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is another chilling tale. This hair-raising yarn Story Club members might make you stay out of the woods forever. It's one I call Cloudy with a Chance of Wendigos. So what's the movie about again? Royce asked for what seemed like the millionth time. Stephen watched out the window of the station wagon as the autumn trees bursting in yellow, red, and brown blurred past. Stephen's friends filled the car, Royce Burns sitting next to him, and then Kendra Jones, his lead actress. Up in front, Stephen's dad drove, and Arlo Diaz rode shotgun. Ugh, I'll tell you, Stephen said, sighing, but it's gonna be the last time, so listen up. Oh, Royce said, Mr. Almighty Director. Sorry to trouble you, your greatness. Steven ignored him. He was at Royce's mercy. He needed his help to complete this movie production. Kendra is the cryptozoologist, Steven said, beginning to explain. What's a cryptozoologist? Royce asked. They're like real-life monster hunters, okay? Steven said. Can I finish now? Royce nodded, still pondering the word cryptozoologist. Yeah, so Kendra is up investigating the legend of the Wendigo. Royce looked confused, despite having heard this from Stephen before. Didn't this kid ever listen? Stephen pushed on, despite his rising annoyance. Ancient legend says there's a monster that's 10 feet tall. It began as a human, but then started eating people, devouring them. Then it turned into this horrible monster. It can make others like itself too, and it's always hungry. Kinda like zombies, Arlo said from the front. Stephen nodded. Yeah, they're kind of like zombies, sure. He looked at each of his friends. And if we make this movie scary enough, and if we make it cool enough, we'll take this year's Fright Fest movie-making contest. You guys could use a thousand bucks split four ways, right? We're coming up to the spot, Steven's dad said, and the station wagon began to slow down. Ready? In action, Steven said, peering through the viewfinder of the camera. He recorded Kendra, dressed in a thick parka and backpack, as she walked along the leaf-littered trail and then stopped, bending down and peering at something. This footprint is strange, Kendra said in character. Then she pulled out a notebook and pencil and began to sketch it next to some others, each marked Wendigo with a question mark. Kendra then gazed thoughtfully off-frame. Royce and Arlo stood out of camera range and tried not to laugh. Steven got the shot just as the two-way radio crackled. You guys still doing all right up there? It was Steven's dad. He was about two miles away doing some trout fishing. He agreed to bring Steven and his movie crew up as long as they didn't frighten away the fish. We're fine, dad, Steven said into the radio. Over and out. Okay, Steven said, clipping the radio back to his belt. Time to prepare the monster. Finally, Arlo said. Something to do besides standing here. Yeah, Royce said. I can already feel moss growing on my feet. They grabbed the stilts, the papier-mâché head, and the costume, which was nothing more than fake animal fur from old teddy bears sewn together and dyed a unifying chocolate brown. Royce climbed up onto the stilts, balancing himself. Arlo helped drape the fuzzy costume on him and then handed him the papier-mâché head. This thing looks so phony, Arlo said. Well, Steven said, if you thought you could do better, I needed your help a week ago. Arlo rolled his eyes and continued helping Royce in silence. They both fumbled with the awkward and unbalanced monster costume, like a couple of circus clowns trying to learn their big tent act. After 15 awkward minutes, the monster was ready. 
Okay, Kendra, Steven said, directing the scene. You're tracking down this thing. Kneel down to inspect the footprint we made, then this shadow will lurk over you and you'll slowly look up and then gasp in horror. Kendra thought about it. What's my motivation here? She said, getting more worked up as she pondered Steven's direction. I mean, I'm a trained cryptozoologist. Do you really think I'd gasp? Don't you think I'd be a little more professional and dignified than to act like some pea-brained bozo in a backpack and a freaking parka? I don't think I like this stereotype, Steven. Arlo and Royce couldn't stop laughing. The Wendigo almost toppled over, shaking with uncontrollable howls. Oh man, Royce said between cackling wheezes. The all-director just got called out. Pow. Fine. Steven said, trying to keep his voice calm, steady, and even. He wasn't sure if he was gonna scream in anger or cry in frustration. Play it how you want it, we're losing daylight. We just need to keep filming. In character, Kendra did as directed, inspecting the Steven-made Wendigo footprint, which was two feet wide and had eight toes. Then a shadow loomed over her. She looked up and didn't gasp. She kinda, well, winced, as if she'd eaten a bad clam. Because there was the Wendigo, the real one. The creature towered 10 feet tall on two trunk-sized legs covered in flea-infested patches of grimy fur. It lurched on the trail, its gangly long arms capped with gnarled claws. Two deep-set red eyes burned within its horned head. The glowing orb surveyed the group with an unblinking hunger. But the stench. The stench of the Wendigo was the worst. It smelled of cold nights in the grave. Run! Steven said, and then he could feel his legs carrying him off. Before he disappeared down the trail, he caught sight of his friends. They scattered to the four winds. Well, except Royce, who fell off his stilts, got hung up in the costume, and was blinded by the enormous papier-mâché head. But the invading monster of thousand-year-old legends ignored the others. It wanted the kid with the video camera. Steven felt something strike his left arm, tearing his coat the jagged claw of the Wendigo. It was almost upon him. Steven ducked to the left and cut through the forest, running as fast as he could without stumbling on the slick wet autumn leaves or the stray wind-broken branches. He heard the two-way radio fall off his belt and smash open. He was now alone and cut off from everyone. The twisted horns of the Wendigo snapped tree branches in its path with bone-cracking claps. Steven stumbled across the swift, icy stream, keeping the camera held high to avoid ruining it. He had killer footage on it after all. He climbed up the opposite muddy bank, slipping, stumbling, and climbing again. He was safe now, he knew it. He'd won. He glanced back across the river. The ten-foot-tall Wendigo, with a body like a ribbed scarecrow and an elk-like head, watched Steven from across the water, its two glowing orb eyes burning. Whoa, that was a close call there, Steven. Talk about getting real. If Steven's footage didn't land him the $1,000 prize money, that contest is rigged. That is, if he and his friends escape the clutches of the Wendigo. Wendigos are bad customers. Did you know that the legend of the Wendigo originated with the Algonquin people of the Northwest United States and Southeastern Canada? It was believed that a Wendigo was a wicked spirit that humans could be possessed by and transformed into. Wendigos are ravenous. They are never satisfied after eating and go around like hungry ghosts, always on the hunt for more prey. Kinda like me at the all-you-can-eat buffet on Taco Tuesdays. But seriously, they are terrifying. 
And sometimes the tales I tell you, my devoted listeners, are truly horrifying. They can even keep me awake at night if I'm not careful. That's why I want to make sure you know about another Go Kid Go podcast called Story Train. After listening to R.L. Stein's Story Club, it's totally understandable to want to take things down a notch, calm your mind, and then drift peacefully into a sleep undisturbed by monsters. Just search for Story Train wherever you get your podcasts and join me for a calmer ride before bed. I'm grabbing my pillow now, and I'll meet you at the station. And, of course, I'll be back here tomorrow well-rested and ready to roll for another eerie episode. Because every R.L. Stein Story Club member needs a little scare every day. Ivy out! Go, kid, go! Whether you like to test yourself on what you know, or you're interested in learning a bunch of cool new facts, you are bound to enjoy 5 for 5 Trivia, a podcast all about trivia knowledge. Every week has a different theme, like amusement parks, creepy animals, video games, the universe, and a whole lot more. And each day, you try to get 5 for 5 right on those trivia topics, and hopefully learn something new along the way. Is a shark a fish or a mammal? Which spell does Harry Potter use most often? You can answer those questions and more on 5 for 5 Trivia. So if you're ready to challenge yourself and give yourself a big high five for the things you know, be sure to check out 5 for 5 Trivia, available wherever you listen to your podcasts.